Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to the Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Do you have a mate that doesn't seem great? Maybe their team is up, but they're still down. A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Dare Iced Coffee, a proud partner of Are You Okay? Welcome to the Conversations That Could. I'm Dermot Brereton. Now, this is a show where we talk to people from across the sporting landscape and discuss issues surrounding mental health, the struggles, the successes, and ways in which we can all support each other through the challenges that life presents. Our guest tonight believes that health and fitness are about more than just the way you look, the food you eat or the weight you lift at the gym. He takes a more holistic approach to helping out his clients who range from everyday people to elite sports people competing at the top level in fields like Formula One racing with Daniel Ricciardo, professional snowboarders and even first-class cricket. He's the founder of MI Coaching, a performance coach specialising in strength and conditioning, and we hope he's going to inspire us to make a few lifestyle changes that could lead us to being happier and healthier. It's my pleasure to welcome Michael Italiano to the conversations that could for Are You OK? Hi, Michael. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. You're back in London. What's life like in London at the moment? Is it any different to anywhere else in the world, these lockdowns and the likes? It is. I think the the last two years, London has definitely struggled. I've just come back from Austin, Texas, and uh, COVID is non-existent there. (laughs) There's there's no one wearing masks. There's not much uh, personal space. And uh, so that that was a big, big kind of like culture shock, surprisingly. Like it's probably the first place I've been to in two years that felt normal it actually felt quite on edge being somewhere where it's actually quite normal. It just almost feels like too soon for me because, um, yeah, being in Europe, you know, you got hit quite quite heavily with COVID. Um, so and in, in London at the moment, we're still wearing masks. We're still uh, keeping our social distance. So, yeah, Austin was a bit of a bit of a eye opener of hopefully where the world is going in, in, in that direction. How long is it since you've been back in Australia? You were a Perth boy originally, I believe. Yeah, so we were lucky enough um, last year, the first race, the Melbourne Grand Prix, that got cancelled on the Friday. Yep. So we were lucky enough, we actually got a flight to Perth and we spent those three months um, of isolation in Perth. So we haven't been back since last May, so nearly a year and a half. And um, we're trying extensively to get back for Christmas this year because it's – it's been a while and it's, you know, you do get a little bit homesick being on the circuit and just traveling everywhere. And, you know, you're alone quite a lot in hotel rooms. And so, and yes, we're lucky enough to have these, these, uh, these face-to-face uh, video calls where you can, you can do that with your family and see their friends, their faces, sorry. Um, but we're trying really hard to get back this, this December. 
yeah, once the season starts, it's very hard to get back. So December and January is Daniel's time off. We kind of start pre-season like mid-Jan. So that is like the perfect opportunity to get back. And the weather's amazing in Perth in December, Jan. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed we get to see family at the end of the year. You did make mention then you, you still get the chance to see somebody's face. You can communicate with them, talk with them. Because of these, you know, so many lockdowns worldwide, and you've got clients everywhere. What's it been like? Has there been much of a reach out from Joe Public to actually get online coaching, training, um, tips in, in various areas and mental health coaching? Yeah, a heap. Um, I, I think especially with COVID hitting and, and people spending a lot more time at home, I think people are starting to really highlight their need for uh, physical and mental health. So there's been a, a wide range of interest from uh, my online coaching and there has been a very common denominator when people sign up and I ask you know particular questions about what you want to achieve, what are you struggling with and um probably about 90% of those answers of what you're struggling with is, is mental health. And it's, you know, in some way it, it was kind of surprising at the start, but now going through nearly two years of COVID, it, it's not surprising at all. Like um, obviously I'm kind of understanding the struggles of, of lockdown and, you know, being in London, I don't have a big house. Uh, it's all little apartments in Europe here. You know, you don't, you don't get the luxury of a bit more space like, like you do in Australia. So that becomes challenging in itself where you don't have a backyard to, to get some air. And so, yeah, it, it definitely has been probably the number one subject being talked about um, in the last couple of years and, and, and for good reasons. Let's move on to the, the title of your vocation, a performance coach. I mean, that's we're all in results-driven businesses performance coach i would imagine someone like daniel even though i believe you two were great mates from being at a young age he's responsible ultimately for where he he ends up on the grid and he can talk to his team and say this car wasn't running beautifully as it should have been and but he's still going to come back to you and say how's my performance rating correct i guess i like to shorten my title and as a performance coach what i tell people i'm pretty much preparing daniel to perform and what that is is focusing on number one his, his training so doing doing all his strength and conditioning to making sure that he's super fit and conditioned to be in the car and being able to perform at his highest in the car his nutrition as well. So I look after his nutrition on race days and, and outside of race days. So we are very fortunate that we have chefs on track. So I liaise with the chefs and work in his specific meals. Um, we do his measurements of, of, of his meals as well. So the chefs, uh, the chefs know exactly what they're cooking, what ingredients, how much. Um, I give them specific times of when he needs to eat. So probably a uh, Probably nothing new to what you what you what you what you were doing, Derm. You know, you always have your your routine of what you're eating, when you're eating, and also like his hydration protocol, which is very important because these guys can really go through some some dehydration yeah. um, throughout the race. Like on the weekends, there were a number of drivers. I think I think Perez and Leclerc came out after the race and said it was their most physical race ever. Um, it was so hot in Austin and the track, the track is quite physically demanding. So I, I saw a couple of the drivers come out after the race and they looked very dehydrated. Um, so that's a, that's another very, very important thing that I look after is his hydration before a race and post race. Um, recovery is a massive one. Derm. We, 
it's crazy. Like Daniel will finish the race at four o'clock. He's literally got media and engineering meetings till about seven thirty. So like the last thing I could think of after finishing a football game is putting me, putting me in front of a camera for three hours and then a debrief for another two hours. Yeah. Your brain's fried and you're physically just lethargic. You don't want to talk to anyone. You just want to drink your Powerade and just sit back and do some stretching. But these guys, they don't get time to do that. I literally don't see him for the, for, for like at least three hours after the race. And then we're rushing to the airport to, to, to head back to, to home, you know? So recovery is not ideal after a race. So that's when, you know, come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's really heavily focused on recovery and trying to get him right. Cause sometimes we have a race the next day, uh, sorry, the next week. Yep. So recovery is a massive one. And lastly, obviously his mental performance as well. So that could be, you know, us talking about him from a, from a, a mental standpoint, how to actually perform well, but it also could just be being a sounding board. You know, there's, there's things that happen in life. There's things that happen in sport that can really drive your emotions like a, like a, like a roller coaster. It could really be an, an up and down year sometimes, especially in motorsport. So being a sounding board is, is very important as a coach to understand where your client is currently at from a mental perspective and seeing how you can offer advice and in a way to um, keep him in a, a positive mindset heading into each race. We have our routine. We know this routine works before he jumps in the car. So even just doing that routine, there's a, there's a placebo effect there of knowing, okay, I know this works. I'm now prepared. So I've done this routine. I'm now in my race suit. I'm now prepared. I know I'm ready to go. We do a couple little mental things like up, up in our in our driver's room. I write myself like our motivational quote for the week, give him some substance and some background of why I'm focusing on this particular area this week. And then he'll write his little his little quote on the wall, right? So we keep that private, just me and him. And that's something that we then look at every time we leave the room, remind ourselves, okay, this is what we're working on this week. So that's already getting him focused and getting him in that competitive mindset. I won't give too much away, but we do a bit of men- mental anchoring. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it's all about anchoring mental states. So with Daniel for qualifying, he has to actually be in a different mental state to a race day because qualifying is just about nailing the perfect lap. Yeah. It's not about being on for two hours, like a race. So for qualifying, it's all about getting him in more of a, a relaxed state of mind. So we do things where we anchor that 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 relaxed state, and that anchor could be something like pinching yourself. It could be a word that you say. It could be a song that you sing in your head before, when you're in the cockpit of the car. It's all about getting yourself in that mindset. So we have particular ways we anchor his relaxed state for qualifying, and anchor his ruthless state as we call it come Sunday. So there's various little, uh, not games, but little hurdles you put him through to alter that state of mind to let him know where he's at. Uh, It struck me then when you said he gets into the suit once he's in the suit, and all I can relate it to is is football. You, you pull on boots, you put on shorts, and you do that in summertime. But the thing for for a footballer is, and I know so for me, once you put the mouth guard in, it, yeah. all bets are off. Yeah, everyone's yeah. the enemy who's not in your team colours. So th- yeah. that's a little bit like that for race day. Yeah, exactly. So you just you just labelled um, something that you've, you you correspond your game day mentality to is. Boom. As soon as the mouth guard goes in for me, it was the, the pre-game when you walk into the, the change rooms and you smell the Denka rub and I'm like, okay, 
all right, we're ready to go now. Because <laughs> as soon as you smell a Denka rub in a football change room, you know it's game day. <laughs> so that that was my cue. <laughs> you just quoted the liniment smell and the Denka rub and the mouth guard. You have to have played football, haven't you? I have, correct. I, I, I didn't want to stop. I had to stop because I had to move to Europe. But, uh, yeah, I was actively playing football, correct. Who, who were you with? Were you any good? Uh, no, I was all right. I was playing for uh, I was playing for North Beach Football Club, the amateur, amateur club there in, um, in Perth, a very, very big club, very... Very, very good club. Um, I started late. I, I started playing f- um, AFL at 18. So uh, I, was, I was a late bloomer. I was playing soccer before then and did the code switch. This is Dermot Brereton, and our guest tonight is Formula One performance coach Michael Italiano. And this is the conversations that could for Are You OK? Brought to you by Dare Iced Coffee. Dare Iced Coffee, a proud partner of Are You OK? Welcome back to The Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Welcome back to The Conversations That Could. I'm Dermot Brereton, and our guest tonight is Michael Italiano, Formula One performance coach for Daniel Ricciardo and many other industry-leading brands and professional athletes worldwide. I think you've covered it, but when did you first get involved with Daniel Ricciardo? How far back does this relationship go? From a non-professional level, we met, I think, at the age of 13 through mutual friends in Perth. Wow. And, yeah, I, I guess I guess we were friends. He, he left Perth at a very early age. I think 15 he left um, to to obviously aspire to become a Formula One driver. So he started, you know, racing in European championships at a very, very early age in, in Italy. So we did that. He did that. So I didn't really see him much. It was all, almost like um, I'd only see him like every Christmas when he'd come back to see see family and we'd do a little bit of training together. Um, but we only did training together because he knew there was like similar interests, right? Like I was, I was an athlete. He was an athlete. Uh, he was a lot better athlete, but, <laughs> but he, he always, he'd always come to me to train. And, uh, so that was like our little hangout time around December. And then, uh, yeah, I, I think I went to a race in 15, 2015. I think I went to the Austin race just to, just to see, you know, what he does. That's what's this formula one thing that you do. Cause I, I wasn't really into motorsport at, at that stage. And, um, yeah, and then at the end of 2017, he, he offered me a job to, to work with him. I was already a strength and conditioning coach in Perth. Um, he kind of knew what I did. And uh, the opportunity came quite random, Derm, to be honest. It's actually quite a funny story. I was had my alarm on at 5 a.m., had a 6 a.m. client, and had a WhatsApp message from Daniel. And he said, hey, mate, coming home. This was like November. So he's like, coming home in a month. Um, I was wondering if you want to travel the world with me next year. And uh, Daniel was a bit of a joker, so I thought he was just, you know, taking the piss. So I was, I, I think, I think I wrote something smart ass back, and uh, he's like, "No, no, I'm serious. Like, I, I want you to come on as my performance coach." So, uh, yeah, we, we had a meeting in December in 2017, and uh, we we agreed. And then he goes, "Cool, well, I, need, I got you need to move to London in four weeks." So I, I literally I had no time to wow. think. Wow, I had to pack my bags and. And then off, off we go in four weeks' time. So everything moved very, very, very quickly. It is 
an exceptionally dangerous sport. I mean, they're, they're cruising, not cruising. They're flying around 300 k's plus down the straits and, and the likes. And we've seen what has happened to some very unfortunate drivers along the way. How do you mentally prepare somebody to drive 270 k's per hour into a really sharp 90-degree corner and have him braking only in the last one and a half seconds. It, it's it's an exceptionally difficult vocation. People look at the money and say, oh, I wish I could do that. And there's pie in the sky stuff. But it is it is millionths of a second timing. Yeah, it's a very dangerous sport. Let's 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 be real. And um, being a driver and being a coach, you're definitely not ignorant with that. Like we, we all know how dangerous it is. Do we bring it up? No, I think it's just something from from a maturity perspective. We, we understand the dangers. We don't highlight the dangers, but we 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 do we do what we need to do to make sure that when Daniel gets in that car, he's focused. Right? You, you need to be focused. If if you're distracted, then obviously being in a dangerous sport doesn't help. Um, the sport's doing amazing things from a health and safety perspective to make the sport safer. Um, you know, we have now have the introduction of the of the halo in front of the cockpit which has already proven to be very, very um, efficient in, uh, in in just regulating, I guess, damage to, to the driver. Um, we have like wrist sensors, which which um, calculate the driver's uh, heart rate. So if there is an impact, it can monitor the G-force that, that the driver has encountered. And it also can measure the driver's um, heart rate to make sure that, okay, do we have to get there? now or is he at a, in a stable condition so there are there are a lot of um continuing health measures within formula one to try and make this more of a safer sport but we don't we don't address the dangers because for me that is a distraction if we're focusing on that it's more about focusing to make sure that he's prepared and that he is in the correct mindset to drive that car and uh yeah but i, I won't lie I, I i am nervous before every start i think that's just that that will never change it's just it's just the the nature of the beast in this sport in certain sports there are those who work really hard at being good at the sport and there are naturals which one is daniel i'm gonna say half half i'm gonna say his ability to feel the car and when you say feel the car you know like the drivers always talk about feeling the car through their hips Right, his ability to feel and then adapt is is very special, in in my opinion. Um, I haven't worked with any other F1 driver, so it's hard for me to compare. I can't really compare, but my knowledge of seeing Daniel move teams and being able to, I guess, um, take in information and apply it so well, I think is is definitely a talent that he has. And then I think half is obviously working hard. And, and I say that because there's 20 drivers in the world that do this thing. Don't, like every, every one of them work hard. If you don't work hard in, in Formula One, one, you're a fool and you won't hang around much longer. But two, I think every driver on that grid understands the opportunity they currently have. And they all work hard. They all work very, very hard. And I think that's just that's just the natural beast of, of professional sport. You want to make it a professional sport, you've got to work hard. I have spoken to some people who have been involved deeply in the industry and and they say that Formula One drivers are highly, 
highly intelligent or highly, highly in the opposite direction. <laughs> Is there any truth to that? Again, I, I know I know a few of the F1 drivers on a superficial level, so I don't really know them on an internal level, but the interactions I've had with the other Formula One drivers is there is a definitely a very unique intelligence about them for sure. One is their memory, their ability to withstand, like withhold information and just, and just being able to apply that information is, is very special. Like you have to understand these, these guys are, these, these guys have 30 buttons on their steering wheel. Uh, they're trying to they're trying to hit hit an apex for two hours. They're trying to you know hit the right lap times within a tenth. You know, like their engineers are saying, all right, we want we want a thirty four one each lap. This is your lap target, and for for a driver to go out and hit that lap time every lap while trying to defend whilst whilst tugging buttons, you know, in different corners, um, it's it's an insane complex. Um, skill to have. So these guys have to have some intelligence about them, I, I personally believe. So hitting those buttons, those 30 buttons regularly, you're telling me the 10,000 hours my son put into Game Boy and, and PSP3 during his schooling years is actually going to come into some sort of benefit. 100%. 100%. I mean, if, if, he wants to, if he wants to be a driver, I'm sure, I'm sure it will come across a little bit more natural. <laughs> Tell me, physical or mental? Yeah, I, I know the. I have a feeling for the answer. I mean, the physical is obvious. The G-forces in the car, um, the strength to hang on to the wheel in some of those situations. How, yeah. how do you sum up how you train this athlete? The thing is, um, they're intertwined, right? So the faster you become physically fatigued, that's when your mental performance starts to deteriorate. That's just that's just the way it is. So having making your driver as fit as possible is crucial for for his mental focus. So they kind of come hand in hand. I'd, I'd almost say physical because the physical has massive implications on your 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 cognitive ability. As soon as you start fatiguing, that's when you can start to get brain fog. And, you know, you, you can relate this to AFL football too, you know, in the, in the last quarter. It's like, yeah. well, the fittest team is, is going to win this game because as soon as you start fatiguing, you become slower, you know, mentally, you're not as sharp. So you can't make those split decisions. So you might make more errors in, in, in the end of a game. So I'm going to say physically, just because I know the importance of being physically conditioned for your mental state. And as we all know, in Formula One, your mental state has to be on for two hours. I I can't let it go without being said. I've been fortunate enough to do a couple of celebrity uh, Grand Prix drives. And when we're training, I won't let the names out, but uh, we had some pretty good drivers take us. And there was one time Alan Jones took one of the ladies around the track and he said she never saw any apex because he was braking he had to lean across with his left arm and hold the top of her helmet from falling down because every time he braked she kept looking at her own navel she didn't have the neck strength to hold her own head up yeah that's that's the most common thing head head falling in between your lap <laughs> come braking zone <laughs> do they do much work like that do you have the you know daniel doing that yeah neck muscle yeah so the neck the neck is the the, the main muscle we train the most we train his neck every second day we have a, a specialized neck harness that we use um, it's called the gs the gs harness um, i actually did an introduction to to one of the afl football um, 
teams, I won't name the team, but they're obviously looking into ways to prevent concussions. And, and one of those ways is to actually strengthen your neck. Yeah. Uh, reason for that is obviously with the impact, you can, you can limit the whiplash of your, of your head hitting the, the, the ground. And there's a couple other more scientific purposes for it. But um, yeah, the rugby, um, a lot of the national England rugby players use this harness and the NFL as well. So we use a neck harness to really strengthen Daniel's neck um, every second day. And that's, that's very important because these cars are just getting faster. And when these cars get faster, they're going faster around corners, which means these drivers are experiencing more G-force um, every year. So um, it, it's a bit different to, if you, if, you know, if you look at a football term, every every year you come into preseason, right? You've got your targets. You know, you've got your 2K time trial target. You've got your beep test target from last year. And you always want to hit those targets. And that you hit those targets, you know you're ready for round one. But with Formula One, it's different because it's such an innovative sport. These cars are getting faster. So your 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 uh, your KPIs that you hit last year in preseason, you have to better them because the cars are getting faster. They're getting harder to drive. They're getting more. They're more physical to drive. So you can't just hit your preseason targets every year. It's actually one of the sports where you actually you always have to try and better your targets, which makes it even more harder to to stay relevant in the sport. Our guest tonight is Formula One performance coach with McLaren, Michael Italiano. I'm Dermot Burton, and this is the conversations that could brought to you by Dare Iced Coffee. When your mate bottles it up, a dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? More with Michael in a moment. Welcome back to the conversations that could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Welcome back to the conversations that could for Are You Okay? My guest tonight is Michael Italiano, Formula One performance coach with McLaren and the man who helps drivers like Daniel Ricciardo achieve optimum performance levels. Michael, one of the great things I've read so far about your background is that you believe that each person should be trained on an individual basis. And once again, football background, I I saw no reason why Jason Dunstall at 110 kilos and and when he was doing distance time trials, we used to use the sundial to time him, why he should do as much longevity work as, as a midfielder, Johnny Platten. So you have roughly that same principle. Correct. So what I do with all my clients, I, I give them a massive lifestyle questionnaire and it just gives me a very accurate idea of, of what their lifestyle actually entails from a physical and, and, and mental stress. And I like to really focus on my client's lifestyle. Yes, I can give them impressive. I can give them a very impressive training program and a very impressive nutrition program, but if it doesn't link up with their lifestyle and if it actually creates more stress or demand on their lifestyle, one, it's not sustainable and two, it's not going to work because they're just going to, they're eventually just going to fall off because the bandwagon, because it's going to be too much. So I, I look at all their external stresses in a way to, I guess, combat that and then help them with their internal stresses. I was fortunate enough once to speak to a fellow who was involved in the training of, well, let's just say he played gladiator. Uh, and his his routine was quite, quite intrinsic. But every uh, second day they'd meet up and 
he'd say, yeah, I've just had a couple of packs of fags. I've just had a couple of bottles of red. And that. So he had to tailor into the great man's uh, regime little nuances that would allow him to still mentally feel good. All the meantime, he was getting better. Yeah, correct. And so... And, you know, to add on to that, Derm, I think you're going to come into people who do enjoy a drink or, or do enjoy a smoke. And, and you know, I, as much as I don't condone either one, if there's a way we can limit the amount you smoke or limit the amount you're drinking, you know, that that's a win. It's, it's not about jumping on board as a coach and saying, OK, you need to stop smoking right now. You're not going to drink for 12 weeks and you're going to eat like this, which you've never eaten like before. And yep, you're going to be fine. You're just going to go through and you're just going to nail it. It's, it's not going to happen. Simple as that. If anything, it's going to create more of a stress on you from a mental perspective because you're so used to this routine. And now I'm trying to break that routine instantly. Um, some people have the mental capacity to do a complete overhaul uh, overnight and, and be able to do something like that. But uh, I've known from my time and experience as a coach, it doesn't usually work that way. It's not usually that easy. So it's about just taking baby steps every four weeks. Um, so like you said, if, if someone's doing a pack a day, I, I would ask them, okay, let's, let's halve that this week or let's halve that for the next month. And then the next month after that, I'd ask them to reduce it even more. And that's the same as alcohol intake, or it could be something else that's obviously not doing them any favors within their, their, their lifestyle. So yeah, it's, it's a perfect example you mentioned. Any, any little tricks that you not tricks, I'm trying to find the, uh, the right word for it. Uh, any little perspective you put on to any clients that they feel like they're punishing themselves when they are changing their lifestyle to get themselves healthier so they can perform better. Is there any little mental aspects you can start to uh, infiltrate into them so they don't feel like they're in a total state of punishment the whole time? Yeah, yeah, I do. There's there's two main things that I work with that, that work really well. And one is, I say, is finding clarity. And what I mean by that is finding your why. So people come to me and say, I want to lose weight. You know, I'm, I'm 90 kilos. I want to get to 75 kilos. But why do you want to get to 75 kilos is what I'm really asking. I want clarity onto why you want to lose that weight because telling me a number will not be enough to motivate you. I promise you it won't. And this is when you start to dig it a little bit deeper and they start going, oh, I wonder why. Oh, it's because I wanted to fit in, I want to fit in these jeans when I was 18. I've always wanted to fit back into these jeans when I was 18 because when I was 18, it looked great. Okay, awesome. That's, we're getting deeper now. Why do you want to fit in those jeans? Well, because when I, when I was in those jeans, I was a very confident human being. I was happy. I was social more. And I actually loved the way I looked in the mirror. So all of a sudden, we're finding more of a deeper connection as to why you want to lose those 15 kilos. So if you're trying to break down and the clarity as to why you've come to me. And uh, a lot of people come to me with just a number, but I'm all about cracking that why. Why do you want to lose that amount of weight? Why do you want to put on that amount of weight? And there's always there's always an embodiment with that with that with that answer. Term. There's always a deep deep reason as to why someone wants that. Have you been able to see a client who comes to you, and we'll give you an example such as that, and you immediately think there's not. It's not all going perfectly well here. The mental health isn't exactly where it should be. Yeah, correct. Correct. And and it, it happens usually at the, the three to four week mark. So because the, the first couple weeks, 
you know, you, you're adopting change. There's, there's a, there's a lot of motivation, there's excitement. And then come the third, fourth week is when you're, you're really trying to hold on to this new lifestyle. Um, your, your weight, it maybe isn't fluctuating as well because your body's still trying to adapt to it all. And, and that's when you can start having a bit of mind games with yourself. And, and that's when you have to be a sounding board as a coach and you have to try and really listen to what they're going through and then trying to help them in that way. And, and a big thing that I do, I work on small goals. So, you know, I'll have a lot of clients who go, Michael, I've tried so hard this week, but I went out on the weekend, I got drunk and I had comfort food all day. And that can really, that can really like hinder someone to go, okay, I've ruined it completely, but you haven't, you've, you've had one bad day. And this is where you kind of have to explain. It's like, okay, cool. You had one bad day, but I've asked you to drink X amount of water per day and you've hit that. So I'm giving you a thumbs up for that. And these are the small goals that you have to try and reiterate to these guys. It's like, oh, okay, I don't have to do everything perfect. As long as as long as long 80% of it is perfect, you, you can you can F up 20%. That's no problem. It's not, it's not going to, it's not going to make you go the other way. As long as, as long as you're doing the 80% of the right things, we can one, get you in a better, better, positive, healthy lifestyle routine. And two, you're going to be, you're on the, you're still on the right journey. So that's kind of like the, I guess, the way I go about it with my clients. And am I correct in saying that there is a balance overall in the end between healthy body, healthy mind, and you can be tremendously healthy in in one of those two and not the other? Correct, correct. Um, Yeah, you're exactly right. You could be physically a machine and and still have uh mental struggles i guess we've seen in afl with it yeah. with, with a couple of players so you know you look at that from that from that example and yeah likewise you know if, if you're not looking after your body and you're not looking after yourself then you can definitely it can definitely be a detriment to, to your mental health and um i think what you know what studies are finding is that obviously doing um exercise and doing the right things for yourself and for your body does impact your mental health and i think that's been a big, big, strong correlation and motivation for a lot of people through COVID. It's like, okay, let's do the right things. Let's exercise. Let's meditate. Let's do some yoga. Let's move in the morning. Yeah. Let's do some, let's do some mobility work, enhance our blood flow. And let's, let's have a positive morning routine to start the day and put ourselves on a positive, positive mindset, you know, for the day and to be efficient for our work. Can I ask you what it, what's it like in in London? Is the the population? I mean, I would imagine during their harshest moments of lockdown, they probably similar to Victorians here um, right. had moments when they were allowed outside. And I, my God, I've never seen so many people walking at once. Um, <laughs> were, were Londoners embracing that time to actually do something physically productive? It's 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 a hard one to actually. Un- yeah, it's a hard one, Dan, because. London is such a busy city and everyone here is go, go, go. It's like as well. Exactly. And they're literally, they're in a trance of just waking up, going to work, you know, and then going home. It's just such a fast paced environment here. So I think when when everyone went into COVID, when we went into COVID, everything had to slow down. And I think initially people struggled with that, right? Struggling with the transition of having such this high paced life, to all of a sudden go into this real slow paced life and people not actually knowing, geez, what do I do here? Like, like I've, I've never had to slow down this much. And, uh, so I think initially people struggled and I think as, as COVID you know, progressed, I think people started to realize that 
oh, actually slowing down is a good thing. <laughs> you know, like I got more time to myself and actually do things for myself. And uh, so I, I think I think it works both ways. I think definitely people would have struggled, but definitely people would have benefited from just slowing down a little bit. I'm Dermot Burton. We'll wrap things up with Michael Italiano in just a moment. Welcome back to The Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Welcome back to The Conversations That Could for Are You Okay? Tonight we're delving into the mindset of high-performance athletes like Formula One drivers, professional snowboarders and professional cricketers via the man who helps them perform at their best, Michael Italiano. So, Michael, you have so many people who've come to you and, and they're looking for coaching in the various areas we've described, physical and mental. Uh are there times you actually look at them and say, right, sit down, I need to talk to you because you see something in them that that wiring is just a little awry at the time? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, um, all the time. Um, I, I think that's one of the questions I ask probably the most is, you know, are you okay? You know, you know, actually just being a sounding board and listening to what they actually are going through or feeling. It's actually uh, <laughs> being a coach, you're so focused on helping other people and listening to other people. Uh, I actually found it harder the other way when people like my family would call me and ask me if I'm okay, because I'm so invested and trying to understand other people's problems. I actually was terrible at, I guess, explaining and opening up about my problems with my family and friends. And that's when, that's where I kind of, I think I had to improve a lot come through COVID and something that I've been working on a lot is actually me being able to, uh, I guess, go through when people and my family ask me, are you okay? Because, you know, you're always on the road. You're always by yourself. You're always trying to look after other people. But are you actually looking after yourself? So what do you do for you? So for me, my, my outlet was always train. My outlet would be wake up no matter where I am in the world and just completely go balls out in the gym. As much, you know, the more sweat, the more sweat, the, the, the better I felt. That's just the way it is for me. You know, I, I need to go into the gym. I need to sweat. I need to be puffed out. I need to have a cold shower. And then that's me feeling good. Um, I've also noticed the last couple of years that can also be a little bit of a bandaid as well. You know, it's not always just about just training and flogging yourself. Sometimes it is about talking to others and, and doing other things. So little things I'm, I'm working on is just like, you know, getting out to some nature, something I'm absolutely love doing is just getting out in some nature, whether it's a walk or a hike and just getting some fresh air, doing a lot more reading and um, just opening up to my parents a lot more. You know, my, as parents, they naturally worry because they, you know, you, they don't know where you are, you know, they don't know how you're doing. Yes, we can FaceTime and, but you know, I, I'm, I'm probably not the most open book person and uh, I'm starting to realize this. I never did not, not, you know, realize this, but it's something that I'm really working on is just being a bit more of an open book with my my close inner circle and letting them understand of kind of where I'm at. So uh, that's been a bit of a, yeah, that's been a probably probably the biggest changes for me this year is actually just working on talking about my emotions more. Um, and you know what? It's, it feels good. It feels good to talk about your emotions and, and being open about it. It's, it's something I wish I did a lot, a lot earlier on. I would imagine it was difficult for you being somebody having to be, 
attuned to your clients so often you'd almost develop the personality of a bounce board every bit of information that comes in you're looking for the next question to that client to better them so you're rarely ever focusing on yourself mentally yeah correct and then and then I'm, I'm heading into a formula one race and i need to be mentally on because if I'm not mentally on, then da- Daniel is going to feel that negative energy or he's going to feel, you know, you know, the state I'm in. So I'd always used to kind of get in a routine of just blocking out whatever I'm going through and be like, right, you have to be on this weekend because, you know, your energy is, is contagious to Daniel. So your energy has to be up. Right. So I, I would get me, I'd get myself to that energy and then come the Sunday or Monday after race, it's kind of like, oh, you're back flat again. Um, because you know you have to deal with all those those problems that you're, you're you know that you were trying to hide come race weekend. So yeah, you, 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 I was kind of using my clients and 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 Daniel's almost like a distraction tool. If you know without 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 that obviously sounding horrible to, to Daniel or my clients, it's it's like I was kind of using that as a distraction tool to like not deal with my stuff. And uh, and it's so easy to do as a coach because you're just you've it's what you do, right? Like I love coaching people. I love leading. I love being a role model and I love helping others. So it's just so easy just to be intertwined in other people's lives and trying to help them and actually not focusing on yourself. This day and age, have you noticed a change in the ease with which people raise their hand and say, Hey, I need to speak to someone. To be honest. Yes. And um, I'm basing my answer off my experience with some of my closest friends in Perth. I've probably had some of the most deep and meaningful conversations in the last year. And that's via, that's not even face to face. That's just via FaceTime and actually talking about, you know, each other's problems and, you know, the struggles we're going through through COVID, whether it's COVID related or not. But uh, I've definitely had the most impactful conversations with some of my closest friends in the last year. So based on my experience, I would say yes to that answer. That question, sorry. I'm going to ask you for a little bit of advice here. I've got a lot of mates who listen in and the bulk of them are in the 35 to 60 years of age age group. They're sore. They played sport. <laughs> They've got parts missing in their knees. They're, they're sore. <laughs> and they and they might be a couple of kilos overweight and they enjoy a good lifestyle. But you wouldn't call them unhealthy and unfit. They're, they still involve yeah. themselves. What's the first step? What's the first piece of advice you would give to that typically Aussie ex-local sportsman who's knocked himself around? I, I love the. I love telling people just to get moving. That's that's my initial advice would be just get moving, and that literally could be twenty minutes a day. 20 minutes a day, get up, go for a 20 minute walk or, you know, join, join your wife for that, that zoom yoga session and just do 20 minutes of yoga. The session might be 45, but just do 20. Like I I honestly believe that everyone has 20 minutes in their morning to do some type of movement. And if you can be consistent with that 20 minutes a day over a week, it's a lot. It actually adds up. So I always start with that. I'm like, okay, cool. You don't want to give up the beers. That's fine. You don't want to give up your, you know, your, your social life and going out and having a lot of, you know, your big, your big meals. Okay. That's fine. But there's no excuse to not do something for 20 minutes in the morning. It doesn't have to be high impact. It can be as low impact as you want. It can be that walk. It can be taking out the dog for a walk. But if you can do that every day and implement that in your lifestyle every day, just 20 minutes, I think that goes a long, long way. 
And, and it shouldn't be such a bad thing getting a car park way down the back of Chadston Shopping Centre and having to walk <laughs> half a k to get into the shopping centre. Then correct. And and if uh, and if you want carry carry your grocery bags. Don't don't use a trolley. You do some <laughs> farmer walks back to your car. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, the correlation between uh, being physically fit and mentally fit, they have to be linked, don't they? I think so. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of studies that show that there is a, a very, very strong connection between exercise and mental health. Like exercise releases dopamine. Dopamine is your feel-good hormone. So, you know, naturally when people exercise, you know, you're going to have that feel-good effect post-session. Um, so there are... There are obviously strong, strong correlations between exercise and, you know, the, the chemical hormone releases that exercise gives you from a mental um, benefit. So, yes, there definitely is 100% a benefit. I feel it when I exercise, so I know it's there. I'm sure you feel it too, Dan, when you are exercising and competing. You understand there is a, a strong, strong core element there. And I think uh, I think COVID has just really heightened and highlighted the situation and 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 I think that's a, in, in a way if there's something that there's a silver lining from COVID I think it's this and sleep yes yes so, so okay so one thing I will share is just when I started my online coaching one thing I did not know was how many people struggle with sleep and I only started realizing this is when I started my online platform and I couldn't believe how many of my clients struggle sleeping and. This is another topic that has, has come to intuition quite a lot um, throughout COVID is just the quality of sleep and understanding that sleep has a, a massive, massive impact on your mood and how you how you wake up in the morning. And there there's a there's one there's one one big parameter that's a very, very common link to everyone that affects people's sleep. And it's it's this sucker here, the the good old mobile phone. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's it's everyone's enemy, though. <laughs> and the, the, before we let you go, one of the quotes I've seen and heard you make is, uh, "Listen to your body." Is as hard as you are training, you got the objective in sight, and you're really powering towards that finish line in whatever domain you're you're training. But still, listen to your body. Not too hard, too soon, and, and don't go stupid during the during the journey yeah correct and, and i think that that comes with experience um i think when you start training a little bit more you start understanding your, your body and how you feel i think if you first start out it can be a bit of a you, it can be a bit hard to know actually where you're at from your from a body perspective but i think as you, you train more and exercise more you start to understand your body and the capabilities and how much you can push your body um and the reason why i say that is because i I experienced quite a lot with Daniel where I would periodize a lot of training for him and then we'd have, we'd have a wicked training block in Monaco. I'm like, right, this is what we're doing. And then come day two, he's like, I'm seriously flat. I'm mentally flat. The last race really got to me and I have to change the, the, the plan completely. And that's kind of where I got that, where I've really, really kind of emphasized on listening to your bodies because yeah, you might want to do this. You might have an, an amazing training block to, to train and, and, and get fit, but maybe your body's screaming to you otherwise where, no, I actually need a bit more sleep or no, I actually need my muscles are too sore. I need a bit of rest because you don't want to ignore those signs. And the reason for that is because you can actually put yourself in more of a bigger ditch training more than actually training less. So mm. overtraining is a very common thing as well. 
um, for people where they think, you know, they think they're doing, they're doing good, but they're actually overtraining and actually putting themselves more in a ditch and, uh, not actually making any benefit to their, to, to their healthy lifestyle. So yeah, definitely listen to your body. And if there's signs there, there's signs there for a reason. Michael, I don't know if my contacts are going to help you get back into uh, West Australia or not, but we wish you luck getting back in just before Christmas so you can spend it with the family. Thank you for talking to us. Thanks, Dan. It was a, it was a pleasure. It was a really good chat. Likewise. For more details about Michael and his work, head to his website, www.michaelitaliano.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Conversations That Could for Are You OK? and you'd like to share it with a friend or access the resources in our show notes, subscribe to the podcast of The Conversations That Could wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Dermot Brereton and we'll be back next week. And remember, when your mate bottles it up, a dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Thanks for listening. 